there were certain things that just disappeared all the time, like vases and knives. Okay, the knives, like vases, is like, that's That's funny. Knives, no. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. Hang on, let's start talking about this again so we can record it. Okay. Wait, right. so what, I bought, what did you get? I bought a print on uh-huh. Etsy of Oscar the Grouch and Margaret Hamilton dressed as a ramshackle, like, <laughs> wicked witch. Okay. Uh, from 1976 when she was on Sesame Street. Okay. And the episode aired one time, and I believe it was February 19th. 1976. Okay. And then it was banned and they never showed it again because Why was it banned? so many parents wrote in and said that it was too scary and they shouldn't have ever shown it. And their children were like scandalized and just horrified and, and scarred from it. So it just was never shown again. And like, <gasps> you couldn't find it anywhere. So I like did this, like, impromptu deep dive on this episode and ended up finding it where somebody had gotten it and they showed it in a theater somewhere and it's legit like just someone on their phone like lifting it up just above like the chair in front of them so you could see it's not even landscape it's still like in portrait and sometimes it like dips down if you're gonna pirate that shit do it right no but it's like seven minutes of a 1976 Sesame Street episode that was, for the record, not very scary. No shit. But I guess oh. parents just fucking wigged out about yeah. it. And, and Sesame know, Street was like, fine. I don't get it though, because parents in the 70s were just like, yeah, no, like I'm going to have a pack of cigarettes while I'm pregnant and a few martinis and not even martinis back then. What was it? It was probably like a gimlet. I don't even know. Hmm. But yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah, it's it's really funny. And I just, uh, because I'm weird, um, I love Oscar the Grouch and I love the Wicked Witch and I love the Wizard of Oz and like Miss Piggy and like all of, you know, I don't know, yeah. whatever. Those are, that's, those are my, my peeps. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I've talked about it here before that like, a recurring nightmare I had as a kid was animal from the Muppets chasing me up and down. Yeah. My, my nightmare was, uh, he would chase me up and down the length of the girl guide. No, the Brownie hut that we had, the Brownie hut was like the WI. It was just a, a, the, the town hall, but it was all like old wood paneling, but one end was lit in a red light. One end was lit in a green light and they had red gingham, like 
curtains for some reason. And my nightmare was animal was chasing me up and down, up and down, that up and so down. Weird. It was awful. It was traumatizing. It must have been horrible because you still remember it, especially so vividly. It was, it was very traumatizing. Yes. Um, there's a guy, my, one of my favorite shows is um, Ted Lasso. And there's a guy on it, the actor that plays Roy Kent. His name is Brett. And um, he is very talented actor but he's also <laughs> obsessed with the muppets and so like in the uk every every christmas he does his own live one man show version of muppets christmas carol what and it, it's I'm, I'm gonna send it to you it's amazing i love him i do I've he's heard, very funny I, I feel like a lot of people love him i have not a lot a lot of people show. a lot of people we know I love him. Yes, that's I definitely love with a capital L. Yeah. Um, maybe even lust him. But anyway, he was he recently had his life stream come true and he was invited to be on Sesame Street and he posted a picture of his head of himself in Oscar the Grouchy's trash can. Mm-hmm. And I just I thought, wish oh. I could only aspire to I to Jesus. You know, I I worked with the Sesame Street people once. I met Big oh my, Bird what? and Elmo. Ah. Yeah. I still have a, a Big Bird really feather like somewhere. I don't really like Elmo. No, um, no, Elmo's annoying. Honestly. But um, Big Bird, it was back when it was still Carol, um, the original Big Bird, yeah. and Big Bird sheds. And so every time you would find a trail of Big Bird yellow feathers <laughs> um, around where we were filming. And he was lovely. And his wife was his assistant. And, like... I can't imagine how he did what he did for years with his one arm up and he had a little monitor on his chest that he this would watch and he bananas. had this crazy leather harness thing. Oh my gosh. Um, but he was absolutely lovely. So kind. And his wife was lovely. Lovely. Aww. But yeah, that was the highlight of my career. That's so cool. So cool. We went to like a children's museum one time and they had like <gasps> a little, oh, we have Hello. a guest. We have we a have guest. guest. Hello. Catherine, are you there? Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? Can you guys hear me okay? Even though I don't I have a professional microphone like you that, do. We can hear you. <laughs> we can you, hear you. Um, Catherine, Whatever. this is Joy. I'm so know. excited to meet you. <laughs> Very excited to meet you too. I'm like, you guys have no idea. I'm stoked to meet you. Catherine, stop. But don't. More. <laughs> more, more, more. So, um, uh, uh, for some, we're we're recording already. So, if that's okay, yeah. we'll just kind of yes. get into it. And you've listened to us, so you kind of know what we do. We just talk. Yeah, I heard that you've been listening to us, and you were like, "Hey, can I be on your show?" <laughs> yeah. I'm like a little bit like low key obsessed with you guys. It's one of my favorite podcasts now. Like I swear I listen to your podcast in every episode. I'm like, I wish I was on this show every time. Like I wish I could be a part of this conversation with all of these cool people. Why are we not best friends? Yeah. I mean, we can be. Let's we can. do it. We're, it's we're, fine. We already are. It's fine. We are. Um, so for the people listening, um, Catherine, uh, Catherine was recommended to me by a mutual friend who posted about her on a mom cult mm-hmm. group. Parenting um, cult. Par- sorry, you're right. Yes, it, it's it's the parenting cult group. And um, so I reached out because I've never really had like a proper tarot card reading before. Um, 
And it was like the most mind blowing experience, like legitimately. And when I was done, I went on a book of faces page and was just like, holy fucking shit. I immediately called Joy and was like, Joy, holy fucking shit. Listen to this. Oh my God. This is what happened. Um, And like the fact that like immediately the very first card that Catherine pulled for me related to a telephone call I'd gotten off like five minutes before we started. Oh my God. It was like, I almost pooped myself. I didn't. I came that's really good. close. I'm so glad I, that's still working out for you. Thank you. Listen, <laughs> I got to do my exercises, but I was really like, it was, it was so bonkers. Um, so I'm well, so I excited so to have to have oh. like such a glowing review. And I'm still like super excited that it resonated with you so much. Um, I, you were actually one of my first readings for like an almost stranger, you know, like yeah. not like one of my sister's friends or something like that, you know? And, um, it, it's actually a little bit freeing. I've discovered to read for people that I don't have that much of a connection with, you know, cause I feel like there's almost a little bit less pressure right. or like, like I, people won't feel like I'm necessarily like drawing off of personal knowledge that I have. Right. right. Telling you what these cards have to say. Right. That's so, Oh, wait, Uh, we should introduce the show. Um, Oh shit. Sorry. (laughs) I'm I'm Emily. I'm joy. And this is the The residuals. residuals. And we have a special guest with us today. And when I say special, that's going to be underlined in caps and bold. Mm -hmm. Maybe some asterisks. Some asterisks. Oh, yes. Say it again. Say it again because I spoke over you. Go ahead. How dare you? Her I'm name sorry. is Catherine. Her name is Catherine. Her name is Catherine. <laughs> and she's amazing. Yes. Um, so yeah. What uh, do you describe what you do, Catherine? Yes. What what um, title do you give yourself? What do you say you do? Yeah. So I tell people that I, I read tarot cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is somewhat of a new endeavor for me. I, um, like many people had an experience with COVID where, you know, like my whole life was somewhat derailed and I ended up moving home to Virginia where I never thought I would return, but it turned out to be a really big blessing in disguise and, um, really afforded me the opportunity to be able to give this a shot and try to just start a business. Cause before I had been studying tarot for like many years. And I would sometimes read just for fun with friends and people were like, you should really try to do this as like a real thing. And, you know, I think that when it comes in general to sort of ascension processes and stuff like that ends up happening for a lot of people that like the quote unquote normal life that you've built for yourself just kind of falls apart. Right. And the universe is kind of pushing you to, um, use your own intuitive gifts to help other people. And so I Mm -hmm. shot. (laughs) And so, yeah, back in November, I launched my website. Um, and 
I have just been doing readings for people since then. And that's what I'm doing full time. And it's been really, really awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations. Seriously, congrats. Like, good job for like having the confidence to do that too, because it's really difficult. Legit. Yeah. What was it that originally made you want to start learning more about tarot and and getting into it? And instead of like, you know, like Joey and I both have decks and we'll be like, let's pull a card and see what's happening, you know, as opposed to that, like actually really seriously um, pursuing it. There's always been an interest there. Um, I didn't really start delving into it until like 2019, I would say. Um, and like basically kind of starting in like 2017 and then it got a little bit worse in 2018, I started having some health problems, which ended up like being entirely environmental. My doctors thought that I had fibromyalgia and it took me two years to figure out that I actually had mold poisoning. Oh my God. In LA where I had lived for almost six years. So it's like very long exposure. Um, And like, it was all hidden in the walls. There was nothing visible for me to know that it was there, but because I had lived there for so long, there were like cracks in my walls. And of course, you know, LA landlords, like right. they don't want to fix anything. They'll just be like, Oh, it's the building shifting. We live in earthquake country, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, so it was airborne and right. I really uh. didn't even realize it until I put the connection together. Like my dog kept getting sick all the time too. And I was like, okay, it has to be something environmental that's causing this. Wow. And it turns out that mold poisoning and fibromyalgia have all the same symptoms. Yeah. Who knew my doctors didn't even know. Um, so that was kind of like a long road to recovery. Like I ended up having to sort of um, like go on leave from my job at the time I used to be an executive assistant. And so all of a sudden I had all this free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, now's a great time to really start delving into it. And um Before that, I already had like certain people on YouTube that are really great readers that I loved to watch and follow. Um, And so they really like sparked my interest in it as well. Um, But yeah, starting in 2019, like early 2019, when I like took leave from my job, that actually gave me like the time and the bandwidth to Mm -hmm. focus on learning it a little bit more. And then when I finally felt better to like start I ended up like fully leaving my job and I finally felt better just to get another job like basically right before the pandemic hit I got a job moved all the way to Portland Oregon for a job I was supposed to start in March of 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Although the silver lining in that is at least I had a job that I was supposed to start. So like 
I was able to like get unemployment and, um, I stayed with my parents for a little bit and like saved my money so that I could like put myself in a position where I could like start this business, you know, Mm -hmm. and know that I would be okay. Even if I didn't have a lot of money, like coming in right away. Right. Smart. Smart. Yeah. That's it, all worked out. it all worked Ooh. out. And I am much happier doing this, like, as I'm sure you can imagine. So you mentioned to me, I mean, like before we get into more tarot stuff, you mentioned to me that you've had paranormal things happen. Would you I like have. to tell us about those? I know. I'm like, where do I even start? At the beginning, Well, listen, here, let me, let me offer this before we get into anything. Okay. What? We don't have to just do one interview with you either. So don't feel like you have to fit everything in. If you want to like, tell us a couple of things and then talk more about Tara stuff. Like, that's fine. I don't want you to feel like you've got to jam everything in and this is your one. Like, yeah. no, we can totally do this again. It's fine. Yes. So okay. tell well, us whatever you feel like tonight. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, exactly. We can do two. You don't have to cram everything. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> We're all best be, friends now. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> and it would also just be nice to have you back. So if we can yeah. have an excuse for yeah. that, then we'll do it. Totally. That. Totally. Okay. Just seriously, every time I listen to your podcast, I'm like, why didn't I know them when I lived in LA? I'm so sad about it. But we would still have to meet this way because we don't fucking go anywhere. Right. <laughs> so ghosty shit. Tell okay, us all about it. Is. I'm very right. excited. So, I should probably preface all of this with like. I don't see spirits like I've never actually seen any apparitions, but I feel that. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I think that it's just been kind of normal to me my entire life. Like I've experienced spiritual creepy stuff in almost every single place that I've ever lived. I think that the only places that I probably can't think of anything happening were like in college because that was just chaos. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, so as a kid, I also lived in LA in Pasadena. Um, and on my mom's side of the family, everybody has gifts. Although I should also say, like, I'm a big believer that we're all born into this existence with intuitive gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that you have to, like, come from this long line of psychics to have mm-hmm. strong intuitive gifts. And the reason I say this in a lot of my tarot readings to people, because I want everyone to come around to realizing that the reason it's a misconception is simply because our society acknowledges the existence of these gifts but from a very limited standpoint and that we all accept that we have this gut instinct, right. But it sort of stops there and our society doesn't really encourage us to explore or hone those gifts as a skill. So the only difference is that most people who come from long lines of practicing psychics have grown up in a very different environment where they have been encouraged to do that. (laughs) But we're all capable of exploring and honing into those gifts. It's like any other skill, you know? I mean, 
And there are some people who are far more skilled at being athletes. There are other people who are far more skilled at being mathematicians. Those were their callings. And they put a lot of time and energy and work into honing those gifts, right? Mm, right. So um, I, I don't think that there are like special people that have them and other people that don't. I just think it's like any other skill. Um, but like on my mom's side of the family, they exist, but I wouldn't say that anyone is like practicing their gifts. Um, mm-hmm. my grandma, my mom's mom, she was devoutly Catholic. So she didn't really like to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Apparently she could see spirits. This is what my mom has told me. Um, oh, wow. And she like really didn't like to talk about that or acknowledge that with anyone because of her religious beliefs. Um, And my mom has been pretty open with me about it my whole life. Um, So I do feel like I've received a little bit more coaching than like most people do from their parents, but because she didn't get a lot of coaching, it was kind of hard for her to guide me, especially because my gifts are very different than hers. Yeah. In that like her gifts lie a little bit more in the clairvoyant realm. Like she just oh. like knows stuff about She has me. the knowledge. Yes. Or the knowing. Yes. Like she, yeah, yeah. she will meet someone and shake their hand for the first time and just like know creepy stuff about oh, them. Shit. I remember when I was in Ooh. high school. Wait, did that make it hard for you to lie about oh, things in God. high school? I never could. Yeah. I, I'm, That's I'm awful. I'm a shitty liar in general, but I'm sure that that is an evolution of the fact that I always knew that I could never get away with it. Right, lying. like, you're not going to try to lie if it's just yeah. pointless. She was part of this this group called, um, it was like all these like new people that moved to the area and we had moved between ninth and 10th grade. Um, and they did all of these, like there were all these ladies who lunch and they played bunco and bridge and things like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, she like met this new woman and shook her hand and like immediately knew that this woman's husband was cheating on her. <gasps> Fuck. And, like a month later, it came out that that was like what was happening. And she like found out and was like divorcing her husband and like all this stuff. Like, and my mom just like knew the first time that she met her, like obviously did not say anything. Well, like, yeah. She would be like, mm, right. happening. nice to meet but- you. You should ask your husband <laughs> about how close he is with his secretary. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah. <sighs> um, so just quick like cliffs notes from my understanding like intuitive gifts kind of lie in three realms and we all typically have gifts in all three realms but one will tend to be much stronger than the mm-hmm. others so there's clairvoyance there's clairaudience there's clairsentience clairaudience mm-hmm. is sort of hearing versus knowing um and from my understanding it's less common for clairaudience to be someone's like primary and strongest gift um mm-hmm. it's usually more of a secondary gift for me it took me a really long time to figure out that like that clairaudience like i always thought that if i had those kind of gifts that it would sound like someone else was talking to me mm-hmm. but in reality it's more like you're just like having a conversation with yourself. Okay. <laughs> oh God, I do that all the um, time. I need to talk to you about this more. 
Um, and then clairsentience is feeling right. Like perceiving energy from other people and sometimes spirits in ways that we feel it. A lot of people also call that being an empath. I personally don't really love that word anymore simply because I feel like it's become so mainstream that now there's all these think pieces out there about it that in, in my opinion are just very, um, disempowering. Like they make people with empathic or clairsentient abilities seem like these overly sensitive souls who like can't leave the house or be in groups or deal with other people. And I don't really love that because I, I just, you know, just because we pick things up from other people, like doesn't mean that we like can't deal, you know? <laughs> right. It's not like a TV show where like you're having flashes all the time and you're falling on the floor and you're like overcome by stuff and you can't yeah, function not, like normal like agoraphobic. I can leave right. my house. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> if I am agoraphobic, it's because of other people and it's not because of my empathic abilities. Agree. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So like my strongest abilities lie in that clairsentient realm. And it's just like so different than like what my mom experiences with her abilities that I think it was really hard for her to kind of help me figure it out because it wasn't the way that she experienced things. Um, but I, I'm very grateful at least that like I had a mom that was willing to like talk to me about right. this mm-hmm. stuff. And like, if she was navigating everything by herself to begin with, because her mom wasn't talking about it. Yeah. I mean, God, that's so hard. That's so lonely. Yeah. Especially with the knowledge that your mom has this ability, Mm. but is, you know, it's has so much shame about it that then it's like, I mean, that's why I think I took when you and I first talked about when I first told you about our show, Catherine, it's that like, we started this to kind of dispel some of that shame and to yeah. erase the stigma with it, which mm-hmm. it sounds like that's what your mum is t- took the first steps in doing with mm-hmm. you is to try and, you know, not so much well to normalize it, but also mm-hmm. to find a way that it was manageable in your day-to-day life. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And then I remember when I first figured this out about myself, I was in LA. I went to see this psychic in like this little crystal shop. Um, And I was like talking to her about how I felt like, like there was just something like with me and I didn't know how to shake it. And I wasn't sure if it was a spirit or an entity. And she looked at me and she was like, Oh honey, like you're an empath. Like you have this cloud around you. You're taking on the weight of everyone else's emotions and you don't know how to release it. Yeah. And it's really, really important that you like have a regular practice of releasing the stuff that you absorb from other people because you're like a sponge. You won't even realize that you're doing it. And she was like, do you have sisters? Do you have two sisters? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and she was like, 
wow, this must have been really difficult for your mom because all three of you are empaths and that's not the way that her gift works. And I was like, you are Wait, good. I'm sorry. Can I have the address <laughs> I of this know. crystal? Sh- <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but Joy did for me. Yeah, I have no shame. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I have to remember what it was called. It was, um, it was on like South Robertson. The woman who owned it, and this was like 10 years ago, um, she was up there in age. So I hope that she's still alive. She's probably I mean, 190 and more sorry than me at this point. Yeah. So. yeah. But she probably. wasn't a psychic. Like she just owned this crystal shop. And then she had a couple different psychics that would come in and like do readings like wow. every That's other bonkers. week. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, she was amazing. And she actually taught me like, one of the best tricks in regard to this gift. She told me like, you really, you need to have like a regular practice for releasing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I would recommend that you do this at night, like as you're going to sleep, because it's automatically, you know, it's quieter. There are less distractions. It'll help your anxiety. It'll help you sleep better. Um, and so what she taught me is to call on Archangel Michael. Now that resonates for me because my grandma was so devoutly Catholic. She used to take me to church with her. She did all the flowers for her church. So I have all these really wonderful memories, even though I'm not religious at all of like running around and playing in the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Um, If anyone else wants to do this and that doesn't resonate for them, um, that's okay. Like you can call on any God, any goddess, any angel, any universal energy of protection, that's what you're tapping into. So I say, Archangel Michael, I call on you for protection. Please help me to release anything that I have absorbed from others. Mm -hmm. And then I say, I thank you. And I give it back. And that's the most important part. (laughs) Right. I thank you. And I give it back. And sometimes as I'm laying in bed, I'll just say that last part over and over. And it's like creepy. You can feel the energy just like dissipating from mm-hmm. your body. You can feel that cloud kind of dissolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a really good exercise, um, that, you know, I, whenever I'm doing readings with people and I kind of talk to them and like, they agree that they have these clairsentient abilities. I like to teach them this trick and pass it on because mm-hmm. it's been like such a game changer for me. Um, and once I started doing that as well, I also started realizing that in regard to like my anxiety, um, that it is intrinsically linked to my gift and that when I, when I experience that sort of painful anxiety, um, that, that physical pain in my chest where you like freeze and you feel for a few moments, like incapable of being yourself, Mm -hmm. that that is actually my signal. That is my tell that I am picking up something from somebody else. We're Uh, both like, uh, did you see the light bulbs that like, (laughs) yeah, I'm very excited to do this, to do this release thing tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage, I encourage everyone because like I said, you know, typically when it comes to intuitive abilities, we all have abilities in all three realms, even if it's not our strongest and like primary gift, you still likely do it. And, yeah. you know, 
when it comes to the whole idea of the fact that like we can perceive energy from other people and we can pick up on feelings and stuff like that. It's funny because I feel like in our society, we're actually very accepting of the idea that we do this when it comes to the good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason that the whole like good vibes only thing has become so mainstream. Like we all accept that when it comes to being happy and excited that we can like feed off of that energy from each other. And like, we want people to throw that kind of energy around, like bring it over here. Give me some, let's be happy and excited together. Right. Totally. Totally. But when it comes to the lower frequency stuff, we don't really allow ourselves to make that same connection. It's like, we'll Mm. feel sorrow or anxiety or overwhelm or, you know, these sorts of things. And we feel it inside of our body and we just assume that it's ours. And then we assign it to something that's going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the more aware I think that we can be of having these kind of abilities, I also think the better we can all be at like being humans and relating to one another and Mm -hmm. not being so reactionary and defensive. And, you know, like the only way I personally think that our society is going to sort of move away from what we've devolved into (laughs) in regard to being so reactive energetically is to start understanding this about ourselves. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about this and I hope lots of people listen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there is, you know, anthropologically this very specifically Western mentality of, uh, especially with like funerals and like tragedies and things, it's like, okay, but here are the processes that we go through and we have the wake and we have the funeral and we put them in the ground and then everyone go back to normal because everybody has to go back to their place in society in order to make society function. And we can't let it break down because everybody's needed in their place as their cog in the machine. Mm -hmm. And I think we've just turned into this, like, pull yourself up and get it together because we can't be sad. We can only be happy. And like so many times you just need to like fall apart and get it out. And I don't think like you're saying, I don't think that the energy in that like release of being upset or being sad is revered enough just as like, it should be with the good vibes only, you know, like sometimes yeah. you have to like, just let it out and be sad. Agreed. Totally. totally. Or angry it's or just, pissed or whatever. <laughs> you know, the more that we can all be aware of when we're picking stuff up from other people and not mm. owning those things just because it's that lower frequency stuff that'll help all of us in relating to one another, right? Like if we can recognize, oh, I'm feeling this because I'm perceiving this from this person that can help us like navigate that person in a better way. Mm -hmm, Um, Just accepting like, oh, okay. I have a little bit of a deeper understanding of what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, It can also help us to like not take things personally. Right. (laughs) Yeah. especially in regards to that whole like reactive thing, because I think when it comes to any time we're interacting with other people, there's like an energetic exchange that's taking place, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And we as humans tend to do this thing where like, when someone comes at us with a certain type of energy, we feel the need to mirror or reflect that energy back at them. Yes. And the more that we can start to understand that, like, just because we're feeling an energy coming at us, we don't necessarily have to like default to that autopilot response. Right. And Mm -hmm. we don't have to take it personally, even if that person's trying to make it personal, like whatever they're doing, however they're acting, it's about them. Right. Like, it has nothing to do with us. They're going through something difficult. They haven't been taught about energetic exchanges. They haven't been taught how to process their emotions or communicate them in a healthy way. So if all of us can start to realize intuitively that we pick this stuff up from people, not so that we can be reactionary or that we, so that we feel the need to mirror or reflect that back, but we can't, we don't have to get caught up in what we receive from other people. We can realize how capable we are of sending as well Mm -hmm. and sending something different than what's being projected. Hearing you saying that is making me think of how how now I interact with my child. <laughs> I know you're like laughing, but like really having to like not do that mirror. Like I'm not going to get like unreasonably pissy with you about yeah. whatever you're upset about, child. I'm going to like be calm and give you the energy that I want you to put out. Like Mm -hmm. I'm being calm. Let's talk about this calmly. I understand that you're having like a problem with this right now, but like, let's take a couple deep breaths and like talk about it. And it's just weird because I've like never thought about that, but like, fuck, my life would have been so different if I treated other people like toddlers. (laughs) I I love that analogy because I have thought about that from time to time too. Like, Yeah. If we all just like had the patience for other adults that we have with children, like, but I definitely don't like, I don't (laughs) No, I, but yeah, that's, that's how it feels that like here, I'm going to do the like quiet voice, even though you're screaming, like, let's just, let's hug it out, man. I gotta say also the quiet voice can sometimes be the, the scariest voice. Sure. You that's there. because you've seen me use the quiet voice. I've seen to, you use the quiet voice. The, the, to grown the ups voice. though, it's different. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm mouthy. I'm very mouthy and I don't mind. I have a yell and I have a bellow. I've got two different volumes when yeah. it comes to that. And if you get the bellow, it is you should start running. Sure. Very fast. <laughs> I used to, I don't really know what happened to me. I used to scream about everything. Uh, like I would just go from like zero to 10 so fast. I think I go to like the end game a lot now, instead of just the reactionary, I go, what is this going to do? Is this going to make me more upset in the process than like anyone else? No one else is going to change their mind. If I like scream at the, okay, forget it. It's not worth my energy. I have other things to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you started having experiences? Oh, very young. I think that probably one of my earliest memories, and this isn't really with like a spirit per se, but just of like being creepy is uh, I was seven when my mom got pregnant with my sister and um, 
she like told me that she was going to have a baby and I had been begging for a sibling for two years easily. And I was like, yes, I'm going to have a sister. And she was like, okay, honey, well, you know, that's not really how it works. Like, (laughs) And you're like, yes, it does. I have a brother and I just looked her dead in the eye and I was like, no, I'm having a sister. And then I just flounced away (laughs) to go play in my room. Like, whatever, mom. (laughs) And I don't think she even really took me like that seriously, but I knew I was like, I'm having a sister. That's what's in there. And I know it. Oh my gosh. Um, The next like biggest memory that I have is I was, okay. So I had just turned nine and it was within a week of my ninth birthday because my birthday is in early June and we were still in school. So, um, it was, yeah, it was within a week and I was at school and I just, I innately knew that something was wrong. Like I just knew something was wrong and that my mom was like coming to get me. And at that point, like I had grown up in our house in Pasadena and like, we had a little like mother-in-law um, suite where my grandma lived. So it was very, very close to my grandma. And I went to my teacher and I told her like, I have to go home. <laughs> like, can I please just go to the office? I need to call my mom. And she was just like, no, like everything's fine. Like yeah. you're not on the list for going home early today. Go back to your desk. And I was just like, Mrs. Golden, you don't understand. (laughs) So I go back to my desk and I'm legit just like packing my stuff up. Like I did not care what she said. I knew that something was happening. And then I remember like a, a person like from the front office, like came to my classroom and I was like, they must be here for me. And I'm getting up out of my chair backpack on and they were there for someone else. And then my teacher started getting like a little bit mad at me and was like, Catherine, like sit down. Like no one's coming for you. You're not going home. And I was like, I need to call my mom. Let me go to the office. And she wouldn't. Right. Because it doesn't make sense. You know, like her point of view, obviously. Right. Even so, if a kid is adamant about calling their parent, like, can't you just let them? Is it really that big of a deal? Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's so, just when you pee your pants on purpose and go to the nurse's know, office. Right? If it gets that bad, you're just like, I, sorry, <laughs> had a yeah. tinkle. Ooh. So then maybe <laughs> another like half an hour goes by and the little office lady like comes back and she's like, Catherine, you have to come with me. And I got up and I just stood there and I looked Mrs. Golden like in her face and just gave her like the stink eye. Like I told you and don't you ever doubt me again. So I was like standing there for long enough that the office lady was like, Catherine, come on, we have to go. (laughs) and And I left and I went to the office and like my mom and my aunt were like sitting there and crying and like mm. I immediately knew that my grandmother had passed away like they oh, didn't need shit. To home. Mm. and um it was like it was like how would I know that I just right. knew like I yeah. I I felt her leave and mm. 
I was like, something is wrong. I have to go home, you know? And I was nine. (laughs) Right. Um, And then not long after that, like maybe within six months, I would say, I had my one and only experience with what I would consider like a very, very negative, like possible demonic entity, which is interesting because in hindsight, especially now knowing that like my grandmother like saw spirits and she was like so Catholic, right? Like I, I feel like she may have like protected me from this kind of stuff when she Mm -hmm. was alive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just like playing in my room and I've always been very like crafty and like, I'm an artist. I, I do all sorts of arts and crafts. And so I was also like, I was trusted with everything as a child. Like my mom has always said that like, from the moment I came into this world, I was wise. Like before I could even talk, I was just this like wise baby. She never had to baby proof the house from me, like doing anything crazy. Um, And so the moral of this is I was allowed to use things like knives um, in my arts and crafts. (laughs) Okay. Why does the 18 month old have a butcher knife? It's because she's for a project. She's just, she's whittling a recorder. It's fine. She's She's making her own toys. Leave her alone. (laughs) Uh, And I, I had this like knife in my room and it was like, all of a sudden, like, I felt like I would, there was something there with me. I couldn't see it, but I felt it. And it was like telling me in my head to pick this knife up and like stab myself in the chest with it. Jesus. And I, I kind of like picked it up and looked at it and it was like, I was just like, no, like you're, you're not the boss of me and you don't get to tell me to do this and you're not welcome here. Like I just knew to say that. And it was, I felt like I was almost in that moment, like, like, you know, in princess bride when she like takes the knife and like puts it like at her chest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I almost felt like I was like in that moment, which was weird because I hadn't even seen that movie yet. Like I ended up seeing it like a couple years later, I think. Um, and I was like, whoa, that like sort of happened to me, but not. Um, and so, yeah, that was like the one and only time that I've ever felt like I've been confronted by like something really, really negative. Um, But I feel like prior to that, like I said, I think my grandma sort of like protected me a little bit, like from that kind of stuff. But I also Mm. think that, you know, given that my mom has said that, like, I've always been like a very old soul, like I've just kind of innately understood that, like, I have these energetic boundaries for that. Like I don't, I don't allow that in, in any way. And Mm. I'm also like, not afraid. Like, I just, like, I just know that I can't be afraid because they feed off like negative energy and feed off of that type of energy. Yeah, And so I just like refuse to give them that, like, even in that moment, like I was not afraid. I was just like, no. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, and you need to leave. <laughs> um, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then after that, like, I don't remember any other, like, huge events happening in California. Um, but again, like, because I don't see spirits and I just kind of feel them and I'm almost like normalized to it. Like, I mean, there's a lot of spirits in this world, so it doesn't feel weird to me. Like when spirits are around, I don't even necessarily always like notice it unless I feel like they're doing something. They're trying to get your attention with me. Yeah. And for a very long time, I didn't really understand what to do with that because I was like, well, I can't see you. I can't hear you. Like, what do you want me to do? I don't understand. Um, especially after I moved to Virginia. And so we moved to Virginia in 95, summer of 95. And I was 12 and we moved into this house that my mom had inherited from her father. And this house, I mean, it was a nightmare. (laughs) It was built in like, I think like 1912, big like wraparound porch, but it was like, it had not been taken care of. Well, we show up and like, literally the, the sewage line in the basement had burst and like this, the basement. Of my parents almost just like put it on the market and started looking for another house. It was so awful. And we spent like that whole summer redoing that house. Like my parents poured every cent of what we made off of our house in LA into this house. So, you know, I'm actually surprised that I didn't experience more in that house, given that we were like knocking out walls and stuff like that, which typically causes a lot of activity to like pick up. Yeah. But, um, again, I also think that like, I was just so used to spirits being around that, like, if anything was going on, I don't know that I necessarily would have really noticed per se, unless Mm -hmm. it was like blatantly obvious. And, and no one in our family put out that fearful energy to attract those sorts of entities. So, Mm -hmm. um, one thing that would happen all the time in that house is like, so my, I have two little sisters, um, the middle one, like she, (laughs) She's like a sleepwalker and a sleep talker, and it's always worse around mm. the phones. <gasps> <Okay. laughs> oh my gosh. So they were two and four when we moved to Virginia. And um like Genevieve was in the sort of transition stage from that little like baby size bed to like a normal size bed. So when she mm. got her normal size bed, we put her little baby bed like at the foot of my bed in my room because she often liked to just come into my room in the middle of the night. I don't know why we bothered really putting the baby bed because it's still 50% of the time she would climb into my bed, but whatever. <laughs> but like, like 
every time there was a full moon, I would wake up in the middle of the night and my sister would be perched on the edge of this little like metal baby bed, no. swinging her legs, creak, a creak, a creak, a creak, a creak. And like no. the full moon is, like shining in like on her through my window. And then she would get up and like pace back and forth. No. What a creep. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is creepy. Oh my God, no. <laughs> was it worse at the house in Virginia than it was anywhere else? In terms of her like pacing and stuff, yes. Doing that, doing creepy shit. Like, she still to this day sleepwalks and sleep talks, but it's not on like a schedule like that. Like it was only in this one house that it was like every full moon, she would somehow come into my room and then do Pace. this. And I was like, mm-hmm. you didn't have as much spirit activity because they were too busy. They were yeah. making her walk around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God, but I'm so also weird wondering if because there was so much going on with you guys you've got a giant move you've got a massive house restoration surprise restoration that that you're undertaking yeah. mm-hmm. that there was so much going on that even if there was any activity happening would you have noticed it exactly. probably not yeah well wait and also two of the younger kids what, One what? thing we do n- have noticed like regularly ever since my grandmother has passed is that, um, so, okay. My mom, like her side of the family is like Irish Catholic and um, Me too. Really? she yes. came from a family of, well, technically eight kids, but really six because two of the eight were twins that were born premature in the sixties and like didn't survive um so of the six there was only one brother all the rest of them were girls and Mm. she did not have a good relationship with her brother like he he had a rough life he was an addict that left scars on her because he was much older than she was so she has you know sort of bad memories about that and like Anytime, like my mom or any of her sisters talk about him in a negative way, lights in our houses go out. Like, boom. Like, my grandma is just like, nope, shut don't it down. Do that. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I remember there was one weekend, we were still in California when this happened. And, um, like we were fixing everything up to sell the house. Right. And these, these lights like kept blowing, but like we were, we were having all these contractors there. Like they checked the electrical. There was nothing wrong with the electrical. We would replace the light. And then my mom and her sister would like make jokes about their brother. And then that same light that was brand new that we just put in would like, Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Dang it. Grandma. Yeah. Yeah, Mary Jo's not having it. I have a question. Go for it. I'm wondering if maybe you didn't know, but because your mom is also sensitive, I'm wondering about the renovation. Do you think she might have said something to the spirits or to the house prior saying like, hey, we're going to be doing this. Like, we just want you to know we're doing things to make the house better. Like, please don't bother the kids. Like, I'm wondering if maybe she 
you kind of cut it off before it had a chance to do anything. I'm totally yeah. obviously speculating and yeah. have zero proof of this, but I like, like when we moved into this house, surprised. I came through the house and I was like, hi house. This is, we're moving in. We'll yeah. be good to you. You be good to us. Like, mm-hmm. and everything's been super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this house is built in like 1920 and you know, it's not some new thing that they put up. Um, uh, so I'm just wondering if maybe if she was already in tune with that and she knew that you all probably were, maybe she was like, hi, listen, we need to have a mom moment in the house and talk mom to mom about things. (laughs) Yeah. But then like later, I mean, I would definitely say that I had experiences in that house, but I don't think I really realized at the time that that's what was happening simply because it was from like a feeling perspective. Like I remember in the eighth grade in our English class, we were having this like poetry section. Right. Mm -hmm. And so every day we would study like a different type of poetry. And then it was our homework to like go home and like write a poem in whatever style or it was that we were studying. And I remember I like came home and this was, you know, back in the day when like everyone was just getting like a family desktop desktop computer to yes everybody had the AOL <laughs> and yeah I'm dialing up in the com- family computer room and I all of a sudden like I just like felt something sort of come over me and this poem just like poured out of me about like like as if my mom was dead and I was like reminiscing on how much I missed my mom. Oh, whoa. And it was like a really good poem. And then I, I like, wrote it and then I was like, this is creepy. And I like called my mom and I was like, mom, like what happened? And <laughs> she was like, where did this come from? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> my fingers. Oh. <laughs> I felt inspired. I don't know. Oh, and she was like, well, it's a really good poem. So I think you should turn it in. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I did. And then my teacher loved it so much that like she wanted me to read it at like the poetry assembly that the eighth grade class was doing. So oh my. Stage, like reading this poem as if like my mom is dead and she's like sitting right there oh in my the- god <laughs> and so that weird. ghost was just standing next to you like just like taking credit for all yeah. it just like yes this is what I, I need some clapping oh. for my poetry thank you if you have a scary story of your own that when you listen to us you think oh I should send my stuff in email us at the residuals podcast at gmail.com we also have instagram the underscore residuals underscore podcast and i think we have a twitter too don't we Joy? we do we definitely have a twitter it is at the residuals pod just that pod just that drop the cast for twitter we look forward to hearing from you yeah should we get back to the show oh heck yeah
So something we've talked about on our show before, we had um, a really lovely guest called Hadley Mears. Um, oh, so I love had- that episode. <gasps> Yay. So we had a so lovely guest um, come on the show called Hadley Mears, who is a historical um, journalist, but she also grew up in the South. And one of the things that she and I discussed was the fact that people in the South are so much more open talking about not so much supernatural stuff but like the spiritual stuff with it because mm-hmm. there is uh I don't know if it's a if it's a cultural thing but it was just like you had all of the urban legends out there you had the lights that would flash which ended up being like swamp gas or some shit um <laughs> as you do but there's just there's more hauntings like if you look at Norlands like when yeah. they are selling a house they have to state if it's haunted or not um, mm. so like shit like that. And it just seems yeah. that the, the, the South is just a little bit more, people are more open and easy talking about it. Um, yeah. whereas and out here it's almost- more like crystal fucking woo woo sage, the house based, whereas out mm-hmm. there it's more like it's a, it's a fact of life. It's just a part of life. Mm-hmm. And in a way it's almost like connected to that, like Southern pride and to the Confederate. Flag, right because like in Virginia at least like going to middle school here was such a trip because we would go on literal field trips to battlegrounds where the civil war wow. happens like mm-hmm. and that was really weird for me for sure like I well, definitely thought, I was like, gonna ask about that in those places yeah um, so did you pick up on things I did, but it was more just like energies of like sadness, despair, like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And it was hard too, because you're in a tour group of like 50, 12 year olds. Like, so I think that that was also a big part of like, not really being able to like figure out my gift or like my parents not even really knowing what was going on with me at the time, because a lot of sort of behavioral stuff, things that I was picking up from other people could have easily been written off as just like teenage angst, right? you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're also at that age, just like trying to be cool. Like, and I already was having a hard enough time moving to an area with so many evangelical people, or even if people didn't have evangelical faiths, they still went to church and Mm -hmm. like, I didn't. And, Mm. um, I mean, there were a lot of kids that like told me I was going to hell because I didn't go to church. And I I, like tried going to youth group with a couple people and it was just weird and I was like no this is not for me yeah (laughs) but it also it was like so jarring for me too because like okay you're actually being like really mean to me right now because I don't share your same religious views but like I don't need organized religion to teach me to be a nice person right (laughs) Yeah. Right. How's that working out for you? Like right even now. at the age of 12, I was highly aware of that. And I was like, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, going there, it was, 
it was just kind of like, what left a bigger impression on me is like, so in eighth grade, I don't know how, but this random middle school that I went to in Lynchburg, Virginia had like a sister school, like exchange program with this tiny school in Trieste, Italy. And so they would have students like come here and stay with host families, but they would like fly into New York. They would do all the stuff in New York. They would go to Philadelphia and then they would come down to Virginia. It wasn't just coming to Lynchburg, Virginia. (laughs) And the reverse would happen. Like some of us would get to go. And so I went and we went to Rome, we went to Florence, we went to Venice, and then we went to Trieste and up by Trieste, I think, yeah, yeah, because we were with the other students, um, is like a, a site from a concentration camp. Oh, Jesus. And that was rough. Uh. Like, I, I spent the whole time like trying not to cry. Mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the first times that I really experienced having sort of like clairvoyant visions yeah. because I mean, there's not a lot left, you know, like they, like there's this big, like shiny metal platform and they're like, Oh, you're standing where the crematoriums were. Um, the only thing mm-hmm. that was actually part of the concentration camp that was still there sort of were the buildings where like the bunk the bunks had been but the like dormitories yeah yeah but like the actual bunk beds and stuff like weren't in there anymore and i remember stepping in there and like having this like visual of all of the people like in their bunk beds and then mm-hmm. later they took us to a more like museum part of it that had like photos of the what it looked like then and the people there and it was literally like what I had just seen like when I into what had been the dormitories um yeah that was that had a much bigger effect on me than like going to civil war battle battlegrounds it's <laughs> intense yeah that's yeah. really intense especially at that a, a young age that's a lot mm-hmm. to carry yeah oh Shit. my gosh i can't imagine that yeah that was that was definitely a heavy experience as an empath or clairsentient person <laughs> yeah especially and when you just don't I know it's gonna realize that the, right. I, that my gift or anything I was just sort of being myself mm-hmm. yeah but did you talk to other like did you talk to your peers and were you like sort of aware or like acutely aware that the way that you were feeling and seeing things were like totally different than most other people no, it took me a very, very long time to realize that, like, I experienced the world differently mm-hmm. than a lot of other people. Like, for the longest time, I just kind of figured, like, this is my experience. This is everyone's experience. And I think right. that moving to Virginia and being exposed to 
so many people who had such differing religious beliefs were like my first sort of clues in that mm-hmm. realm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I even still somewhat struggled with that in like college and early adulthood. Um, mm-hmm. because I was, I was like, 28 29 when I went to see that that psychic at the crystal shop in LA so it wasn't even until that point that I realized that this is what I was doing right yeah oh my gosh yeah Yeah. because I think that I knew from like sleepovers and like listening to stories from other people and I was just like they don't they don't sound like they're explaining things the way that I would explain things, you know, like there was something off, but like, I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, but I always sort of did the same, like, Oh, sometimes I just know things. Sometimes it just happens, you know, or like with yeah. the familial stuff, like I'll just know something's going on with my sister. I'll know something's going on with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear a lot of that from other people. And instead of really yeah. talk about it, I was like, I'll just be quiet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really. Well, I didn't really want to talk to people about that stuff on like a deep level, especially mm-hmm. because I had gotten like so much pushback about just being a free spirit in general. Like yeah. Yeah. I and I mean Virginia, I will say is much different now than it was in 1995. I didn't really feel comfortable talking about that stuff on a deep level. But at the same time, I was also like, I was in junior high when like the craft came out and was a huge movie. And um, Sabrina, the teenage witch was a huge thing mm-hmm. so, to in a certain extent, like witchy stuff was just kind of like cool. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in terms of like actual beliefs, I was never comfortable talking to people about that. And I also didn't really feel comfortable about it because I didn't want people to look at my mom. Like she was weird. Like I, I was energetically aware and like, like I could, I could feel from my mom, like how hard that move was for her. Yeah. Like, coming having been raised in Southern California her entire life like I thought I was having a culture shock like at least I got to go to school and stuff like that like for her making friends was so hard and so I didn't I also didn't want to tell anybody things about my mom that they might then say to their parents and that could affect my parents or affect me. And then their parents are like, Oh no, you can't go over to her house or stuff like that. Like, I remember one time in eighth grade, like I had a sleepover and we watched the birdcage. Do you guys remember that movie? Yeah, I love the birdcage. Oh my God, I love that movie so much. And after everyone left, my mom sat me down and she was like, listen, like, we love this movie and there's nothing wrong with the characters in this movie, but like, you can't just show this to everybody that comes over because we live in a different place now. And I was like, Oh, it like literally never occurred to me. Like, why would it? Yeah. 
I just sort of knew deep down that I couldn't really explore that side of myself with mm-hmm. anyone. But, I mean, how old are you when this is happening? So I was in Lynchburg from 12 to 14, 15. Yeah, you're still pretty young. And you're, I mean, you know, going back to like you saying you were wise and an old soul, the idea that you're like thinking about what to say and what not to say to whom that might get back and be detrimental to your mom, that you're just like trying to protect her and you're that young. Yeah, I feel like that also just bolsters that idea of like, I'm mature for my age. I'm an old soul, like that kind of thing. Cause not yeah. all kids are thinking people in their thirties aren't thinking about that sometimes, you know, <laughs> like they're not thinking about how their actions might domino affect people they care about. Totally. So it's like, interesting. There was still a bit of a selfish aspect there because I we knew all were, it's fine. <laughs> my friends told their parents that my mom was like kind of witchy that like their parents were going to let them like come over and I wasn't going to be invited to their sleepovers. But even that, that you're <laughs> thinking yeah. about that, you know, like it just shows a, a certain self-awareness that I don't think a lot of kids have. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe now there's more of like a, a global awareness younger because of technology and, and things like that. But I mean, that age, like the nineties. Yeah. You you were in chat rooms, like arguing about dumb shit. Like it wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) it was not like it is now where like, there's, I don't know, sociocultural stuff being posted all the time. True. Yeah. Yeah. I am so glad that social media did not, exist when I was an adolescent that period of time did not need to be documented no no I mean I had very similar nights where I would like like you're talking about sitting down and like writing that poem like that was like my release I would just sit at the computer and like stuff in it, it wasn't just like a poem it would be like pages of poetry like every yeah. night where I would just sit there and like this needs to get out of my head because I'm super stressed about it. And I have nobody to talk to about it. And like, this is what I do, but God, no, no one need, I did not need to post that on a live journal or a Facebook yeah. or like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that was like 1993, <laughs> 1995. No, no one needs to see that shit. I don't even need to see that shit. My mom saved it. I like went to her house one time to help her clean when she was moving and she had just these like binders. I was like, can you please, can we burn that? Like, no, have you ever read this? And she's like, no, I was like, don't, (laughs) you will think you failed as a parent. If you read this, like, don't go near it. (laughs) And I was just like, throw it away, get rid of it, set it on fire. I don't even want to read it. It was like, yeah. It was that painful still, like all like decades later, even looking at it, I was just like, I can't, I have to like, I got it out for a reason. It needs to just stay there and not exist anymore. Totally. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm very thankful that there was not just no social media like there is now. No, thank you. Oh God. I feel like I should tell you guys like a, like a fun ghost story. Yes, yeah. Tell okay. us. So this is one of my favorite stories. So. After college, I went to college in Seattle and then I moved to San Francisco 
And I was living in a two bedroom apartment with, um, originally we were coworkers, but she is now even still to this day, like one of my best and closest friends. And, um, so we lived in this apartment from February of 2008 through the end of April, 2011. And like, we had a ghost in this apartment, but it wasn't like a malevolent ghost. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really only messed around with stuff in the kitchen. And so like it, (laughs) there were certain things that just disappeared all the time, like vases and knives Okay, the knives, like, vases is like, that's funny, knives, no. I don't know why. But also, I just have to, like, put out there that, like, we both had two large pit bulls at the time. Like, this was not a party house. Like, people were not coming over to our house all the time. Like, we went to other people's houses. So there was no chance that other people were coming into our house and taking these things. Mm -hmm. Also, our landlord lived, like, three hours north of us. So there was no chance that he was coming to our unit and taking things either. Um, And it was just weird. It was like, they would just disappear, like never to be seen again. And the ghost also loved to mess with the stove and the microwave. So like they would just intermittently kind of stop working. And like the microwave would become possessed. Like it had the little like digital screen. Right. And all of a sudden, like either complete gibberish language would just start running across the lake microwave or it would be in like French and like neither one of us were like what is happening with the microwave and it would just refuse to work like it wouldn't it wouldn't cook anything but it would only be for like a short period of time and like the same thing with the stove like it would just stop working and I would, I would literally have to have a conversation with the ghost. And I would be like, ghost, we love you. We're not trying to like bother you. Listen, if I was a ghost, I would fuck with people all the time too. I would be really good. I would be so good. I really need to cook my dinner. Can you please make the stove work? And then it would work. Oh my God. You just uh-huh. addressed it as ghost. They <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, ghost. So then one day, like we had both come home from work. We had worked out together. And then one of my friends from Seattle called me. So I went in my room. I was on the phone with her for like a while. Barbara was in the kitchen and cooking her dinner. I get off the phone. I go out into the kitchen I put my phone down on the counter because my door opened up into the kitchen. So I put my phone down on the counter right there next to 
my bedroom door. Then I walk to the other side of the kitchen, jump up. I'm sitting on the counter. I'm talking to her. She's like, oh yeah, the ghost was like being really annoying. Like the, the stove wasn't working at first and you were on the phone and I didn't know what to do. So I tried what you did. I was having a conversation and it started working. Yay. So we're like sitting here, we're talking about the ghost. And it being annoying, and, like a roommate that's not around. <laughs> They are so annoying. Her phone starts to ring. It's in her bedroom. So she goes to get her phone in her bedroom. And all I hear is her like, and she's like, Catherine, Catherine, Catherine. And I'm like, what? Like I'm racking my brain as I'm walking to her room, trying to figure out who could possibly be calling her to elicit this response. And I'm like, what? Who is calling you? And she holds her phone up and she's like, you're calling me. No, stop it. No, and stop there's, it. My name, there's my number. I, my phone is, but I didn't even have my phone. I had said it on the other side of the kitchen. Like neither one of us had touched it. Listen, oh that's God. what you get for talking oh shit about your ghost so roommate. making it my phone. We run back over to my phone. My phone's not doing anything. Like it doesn't look like it's calling anybody. I was like, answer it. <laughs> Answer it, answer it. And she was like, no, I'm scared. And I'm like, give me that phone. So I snatch it out of her hands. And at this point also, the phone has been ringing like far too long. It should have gone to voicemail by oh. now. But and I grab the phone out of her hand. And before I can press like answer, it just stops ringing. No. And then I'm like, what? What the uh, heck? And so then we go back to my phone and like, even though the screen hadn't shown anything when we like checked it before a call to her was in the outgoing call log. What? (laughs) Wow. Nuts. Right. Bumpers around with us. It's like, I hear you talking about me. Do I need to call you to let you know I'm here in the house yeah. listening to you bitch about me at the other end of the kitchen? And you were nowhere near the phone for it to be a pocket dial when you put it uh-uh. down. No, yeah. like I put it down on one side of the kitchen. I walked clear to the other side of the kitchen and then jumped up on the countertop and was just like sitting there, like shooting the shit with her. Oh and my phone just like and and he like sitting there for like a few minutes too like talking about this so it wasn't like I accidentally called her as I set the phone down or anything like that like yeah oh it's wild holy shit yeah yeah oh my god (laughs) because the microwave like speaking in tongues isn't enough yeah Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be a completely different side bend, but um, I told Joy that one of the things that I really loved about my reading with you is how you explained the cards to me and the difference and their different meanings and Mm -hmm. what the Oracle represented and then what the, the, you know, the other cards represented. So would you Mm -hmm. mind like giving us like a a brief of whatever that, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I usually like to start all of my tarot readings with this, especially if it's someone's 
first reading. Sometimes when they come back for like another reading, they're like, yeah, we don't have to go over that again. Um, but I do like to give people a quick overview into the deck itself, how it's structured and functions in delivering messages. So every tarot deck has 78 cards and they can be divided into two portions, the major arcana and the minor arcana. Now the major arcana is where we find all the cards that have their own unique names. And if you study tarot, it'll often reference how the major arcana maps out this journey that our soul goes on in search of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. I like to think of enlightenment as us really coming into our own, knowing and understanding who we are, what our gifts are, what our purpose is in this world. So that also speaks to sort of my philosophy and how I um, read and interpret the cards. So the major arcana starts with a card called the fool. It ends with a card called the world. And um, the fool is representative of the purest essence of our spirits before we've been molded or influenced in any direction. That world or universe card can speak to the attainment of enlightenment, but it doesn't have to be all encompassing. It often references completions of major cycles and phases in our lives that have taught us about who we are, what our gifts are, what our purpose is. And then all of the cards in between, this is where we find the sun, the, mag- the magician, the moon, the chariot, some of the cards that people are a little more apprehensive about, like the hanged man, the death card, these sorts of cards. They're all in the major arcana and they all represent different things that we experience and we encounter while we're on that journey that help to mold and shape us and help us to understand who we are. And then the minor arcana is where we find the four suits, which in tarot are swords, cups, wands, and pentacles. And they each have their own little theme. So swords are all about our minds, and therefore they pertain to knowledge, thought and belief patterns, also mm-hmm. communication with other people, because all of that originates in our minds. Cups are about our heart space. So they pertain to our emotions, our intuition, our relationships with other people. Wands are about our passions, taking action, making changes in our lives. And then pentacles pertain to the sort of tangible things that we both experience and manifest here in this earthly plane as human beings. So they apply to home, money, career health. Um, And then each of the four suits also has an association with one of the four elements. So swords are air, cups are water, wands are fire, and pentacles are earth. I always like to point that out, especially because um, of the deck that I prefer to use when I'm doing my readings. And those elements, they guide the artwork in the four suits. So I always like to tell people, like, if we happen to get a bunch of wands, please don't feel um, intimidated by the sort of fiery imagery on those cards. Right. <laughs> Just referencing that element, that energy. And then in each suit, we have aces or kings, which um, the, the numeric value for each card holds its own value as well, or its own meaning as well. So for example, all aces are about new beginnings and new opportunities, 
All twos are about duality and balance. Mm. All threes are about um, creation, ideas, growth. And we can kind of pair that numeric meaning with the overall theme of the suit, as well as the artwork on the card, the general meanings that each card is known to represent and the intuitive hits the reader is getting to glean the different meanings from each card in a person's breath. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. Gosh. I feel bad? like I feel centered. <laughs> the idea of a tarot deck now, I'm like, oh, oh, there yeah. is logic. And like, like, it's just, I've had, I was telling Emily, I've had the same deck like since I was in high school and I've read the book and I've read like about every card, but I haven't, gotten a succinct like explanation like that thank you thank you (laughs) so good makes so much sense yeah um and I see like the same card a lot so hearing about it is yeah it's interesting what's the card that you pull all the time again the one that always ends up being me yeah the queen of swords like like eight or nine out of ten pulls like she's there hmm. yeah what does that say to you Catherine <laughs> well she can mean different things depending on whether she's upright or in the reverse but in general um so again swords puts us into this realm of your mind knowledge thought and belief patterns communication with other people queens are about mastering our own inner power in the realm of the suit that they fall in okay Mm -hmm. and so her sort of energies that she carries have a lot to do with um strength of thinking mental clarity um she can sometimes reference um clairvoyance sort of knowing things emily's say what (laughs) that doesn't sound like joy yes it does and i got it but i that card came up all the time when i was running my own business so it was very like literal to just like you are the person in charge making the decisions all the fucking time. <laughs> and also sometimes you just know things. Yeah. yeah. And that, that and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, and you just know stuff. But that, but that I feel like also goes into being able to make good business decisions or mm-hmm. important yeah. decisions because, because sometimes because swords is that realm of like communication. She also, um, sort of encompasses energies around not just like knowing things, but like understanding the proper words to wrap around the things that she knows and the ideas that she has so that she can like communicate them Mm -hmm. in a very like open and honest way to other people. Right. Wow. That's so rad. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, she showed up like continually for a really long time for me and then sort of disappeared when I was going through a very fucking rough patch mm. and then reappeared like the last time that I pulled a bunch of stuff asking about how things would be from now on now that I was feeling different. And I was like, oh, she's back. Okay, I oh guess I'm God. back. Good to know. That's interesting to me because just for me as a reader, Whenever a queen comes out in someone's spread, that signifies to me that um, 
the upright qualities of that queen are likely core to your personality and Mm -hmm. the gift that you have as a part of your soul. Because one of the intentions that I set when I'm giving readings is not just to provide clarity for people, but to ask the universe to help me remind you of any inherent gifts that you have inside of yourself. So just as a reader, whenever a queen comes up in someone's bread, even if it comes up in reverse, I will talk to that person about the upright meanings of that queen, because it often signifies that those are qualities that are very core to like who that person is and always has been since the moment they were born. Yeah. And I feel like at least with me, you know, it's, it's like a good, like quiet pep talk, like a good mm-hmm. reminder of like, oh, right. You were this like badass in charge of shit for a while. Like you're, you're still in there somewhere. You're just, you know, doing some other things right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll wrap this up by saying you're going to come back. I okay. love when a ghost made picture frames go flying across my living room um yes, yes please yes <laughs> Good everybody sh- tune in next time <laughs> so Catherine as a listener you will know that we do our gratitude moment <laughs> and you you're our guest so you have to go first okay. what is it this our- week that that hit you in the gratitude feels um I mean this might seem kind of corny, but like, I am so grateful for you guys. And I'm so not just grateful to like be here, but I have been like, so incredibly grateful to have found your podcast. Like I listen to it and it feels like I'm just like hanging out with kindred spirit friends and it has been such a joy in my life and I'm I'm really grateful for it oh my god thank you I'm not crying on air but thank you we'll cry later stop it Joy (laughs) Joy you go next um I I had a tattoo appointment today um and I had such a great time and my client was great. And she brought us wiggly Japanese cheesecake to eat <gasps> together. And oh my God. We you got ate, the jiggle stuff? Yeah. Yeah. She like yes. went on a special trip and like picked it up early this morning. We got to the shop, we ate cheesecake and talked about our kids. And then we tattooed her for like four hours. And it was just like, it was a nice recentering for me of like, Oh, right. Like I was saying before, like, all oh, right, I'm still in there somewhere. I'm there. <laughs> Even though I have this pile of mom on me all the time, like <laughs> that like core of me is still there. So it was, I'm grateful for having a nice tattoo day today and the cheesecake that is still, some of it is still in my kitchen. So maybe in about five minutes, I'm going to go have some more. <laughs> I'm desperate for some jiggly cheesecake. I've always wanted to try it. All right, your turn. Um, <laughs> mm. 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 Oh, um, I don't know. There's there's one little one from this. Well, hang on. There's two. First of all, Catherine, I'm so happy that you're here. It makes me really happy that we make you happy. <laughs> and so thank you. Like you saying that is like the best thing ever. Um, 
the thing I'm, I'm grateful for, my kid was in gymnastics class this morning and some other little girl tried to cut in line and my kid was like, excuse me, no line cutting. And this kid stomped on her for heel first. And um, my kid didn't, didn't nail her with a punch. My kid just, <laughs> she didn't use her body. She used her words and I'm really proud of her. She calmed down. She did calmly say, I would like to go home. So we hit the vending machine. We got a bar of chocolate <laughs> and we went home and she Aww. was okay. And then, yeah. So it was just seeing that she's five and she's able to handle herself in a mm -hmm. situation that I'm 43 and I would have been like, back the fuck up. Not, you know, not that I would have done that to a five-year-old, but if an adult did that to me, well, I, told I think it depends on the five-year-old. Really? Yeah. No, yeah, no, my kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good point. Joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was just, I was just really proud of the way that she handled the situation and handled herself. So Aww, good job. That's mine. Before we completely wrap this up, um, would you please Catherine, tell us how people would go about contacting you for readings. Give us all of the info, please. Yes. So my website is claritywithcatherine.com. I spell Catherine, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. And I actually did create a special link for your listeners. Uh, <gasps> emailed to you guys in response to the invite that you sent to me for this zoom. Okay. Um, so okay. it's like my website itself is set up for paid readings, but this is like a special link that'll just take them directly to my scheduling system and they can book donation based readings. So they don't have to pay anything up front. Um, they can schedule it at a time that works for them. And, um, when we're done with the reading, if they are happy with it, then they can just contribute whatever they are comfortable and able um, via Venmo, like I did with you before, Emily. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's um, amazing. That is so lovely. Of Thank you. you. Thank you. Do so you much, hear Catherine. that listeners? Listen, listeners. Did you hear Listen that? <laughs> we're so, going to put it in the link tree. Is that what's happening? Yeah, we'll put it and we've got a link tree thing um in yes. our bio and our instagram so mm -hmm. i will put it in there for yeah. everybody and it's basically just calendly.com backslash clarity with Catherine backslash residuals <gasps> Should be oh my i feel like this is our first ever promo code residual this is, this so is very exciting I'm very excited so for much. part two. This is We're so lovely. Thank you for staying up late also. I, I know. know that. It's no worry. So, I'm, I'm a night owl and I have no children. So <laughs> like not a problem. I remember that life. I yeah, remember. That was fun. So don't forget everybody listening. This is part one yes. of a two-part interview with Catherine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Come back next time for some tarot readings. For me and Joy. And stories of my LA ghost scaring away potential boyfriends. Oh my God, I can't wait. <gasps> this is amazing. I can't wait. So good. Where was I that ghost when I, I loved had the protective creepy ghosts. boyfriends? Yeah. Right? Oh man. All right, ladies. Well, until next until, uh, time. 
yeah what what are we gonna do are we you should definitely sage yourself as and don't be afraid of the dark but i will i will bye everybody thank you again bye Who is calling you? And she holds her phone up and she's like, you're calling me.